Welcome to the Economic Development Matters podcast, brought to you by Edmonton Global, hosted by me, Brianna Morris, and my colleague, Sherry Baslama. Sherry and I work together at Edmonton Global, an economic development agency that represents 14 municipalities that make up the Edmonton metropolitan region. Home to 1.4 million people and generating $105 billion in GDP, our region is Canada's fifth largest economy, and we're just getting started. At Edmonton Global, our purpose is to transform and grow the economy of the Edmonton region. And we do that by attracting foreign direct investment and quality jobs. We also support our local businesses to expand internationally. On this podcast, we talk about economic development matters and why it matters. We discuss how we can best compete in the global marketplace and build a sustainable and prosperous economy to enhance the quality of life for the people in our communities. Hey, we have two guests today, uh, Dorothy Chan and Saurabh Kumar, and we are going to talk about how to build and support a successful tech ecosystem. Thanks for joining us, Dorothy and Saurabh. Can you give us a bit of a background uh, on who you are and what you do? Dorothy, let's start with you. Okay, great. Thank you so much. And thanks so much for the opportunity um, for the to be able to join this podcast today. So I'm currently a director within RSM Canada's ESG advisory practice. And um, in my tenure, I've done a lot of research um, and work in the innovation space. I've based in Edmonton and have focused on the tech and innovation ecosystem within Alberta. For the last, I would say, six or seven years, prior to joining RSM, I worked at Alberta Innovates, and part of that role was to really look at the impacts um, in the research and innovation space in Alberta. That's great. And Sarab, I know that Dorothy mentioned she's in Edmonton. I know that you're located in Calgary. We're going to try not to hold that against you, but can you tell us a bit about yourself? I'm from Calgary, and I will defend him in Calgary. (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely. Both great cities. Yeah, Sarab, tell us a bit more about yourself. Yeah, well, uh, as, as you just mentioned, I joined you guys from Calgary and I, I've uh, recently completed my MBA from the Haskane School of Business. Congrats. And, uh, yeah, and uh, since then I've joined RSM as a senior associate. Uh, prior to that, I've worked as a graduate research assistant with uh, the University of Calgary, particularly Innovate Calgary. And uh, over that tenure and with my RSM, uh, I've, I've worked on a couple of research and innovation projects. That's awesome. We're so excited to have you both today. So thank you so much. So why don't we start it off by talking about um, the Edmonton region's tech and innovation ecosystem. So how sophisticated um, do you see it to be? Well, I, I'll take this one. And so, you know, over the last just five years, the Edmonton Metro Region's tech and innovation ecosystem has seen tremendous growth. Um, there has been an increase in the number of tech jobs, you know, number of grads from tech programs have increased. And of course, the number of startups have also increased. And just in the last year, um, the region for the first time cracked the top 50 on CBREs top tech talent markets in North America. So the Edmonton Metro region is getting global recognition as a tech and innovation ecosystem. And there's definite potential for further advancement of the ecosystem. Now, when you're taking a look at some of the more advanced ecosystems that we know of, like such as your Silicon Valley and Seattle's, you know, these 
tech and innovation ecosystems have upwards of, you know, over 3,000 startups at any given point in time. They're able to attract investment and resources globally. And they also are at the point where in order to sustain competitiveness and growth within their ecosystem, they're focusing on optimizing the laws and policies. So these are things that the Edmonton metro region can look towards in terms of its trajectory in building and advancing the ecosystem more and further. That's great. Yeah. So when we look at the ecosystem, I think there's a number of different things that are in the mix. I hear about incubators and accelerators. I'd like to talk about the important role they play. But first of all, what are they? What's what is an incubator? What is an accelerator? What's the difference? And and what function do they play? Yeah, great question. I'm going to throw another organization into mix, which is pre accelerators. So all of these are very important from our research. So the pre-accelerator is really where a very early stage startup might come in and try to, when they're formulating an idea, they wanted to get it vetted out, what the idea is, whether there's ultimately a product market fit. Whereas when you're looking at an incubator, an incubator might have that uh, more general office support. So they might have um, support in terms of HR support, marketing support, accounting support, or provide office space. But then when you look at accelerators, accelerators are that um, it's an intense cohort style curriculum programming where once a startup has an idea, they can go to an accelerator program where they can rapidly validate their idea, um, which is combined with mentoring. So mentoring from, you know, whether it's experienced entrepreneurs or other experienced experts in that industry focus area. And so through working with these mentors, they can further refine and look at whether their idea ultimately will have market penetration and capture. Because ultimately when you're setting up a company, you wanna make sure that it's prof- it can be profitable. Um, but then also these accelerators can also help out um, a founder with doing their pitch deck because ultimately part of the trajectory for a startup is to get investment. Now, what we see too for accelerators is that it doesn't always have to work with just startups. We've seen accelerator programming that is for companies that have already scaled up and might have already established, but now they might be wanting to pivot. So they might want to pivot to a new industry. They might want to pivot um, to a new product line. So we've seen accelerators that really run the gamut from very early stage to even the later stage. And if I can just add one more point on this too, is within the Edmonton metro region, it's very exciting right now because there has been this influx of these new leading global accelerators that have come in. And so, you know, not only is that enabling the current um, bunch of companies to gain access to new ideas, different ways of thinking and access to new networks, global networks, global experts and global investment, but also it's showcasing the fact that these global leading accelerators is seeing the potential in the ideas that are currently being generated in Edmonton and the region. That was that was kind of my question, I guess. So do they see something in Edmonton and then they come here or are they getting you know invited by the government or, or how does that happen? Yeah, they, so it would be a mix. I think um, the new leading global accelerators that have come in, it was a request for proposal process. However, a lot of these global accelerators, they have the ability to go into any center, really, because they have they they have that edge already. A lot of these leading global accelerators, they have been in the business for many years. So the fact that they are even interested in proposing to be an accelerator within the region, 
that is really a good sign for the Edmonton region in so my mind. Would you say competition is pretty fierce to get these accelerators kind of setting up in, in particular regions or um, is it really like, is, is there an ability to compete, I guess, as a region to, to attract them or are, is it more an internal decision that they're making? Um, I'm not sure exactly in terms of how these global accelerators are making the decision, but I would just say though, you know, within the world, there are several, um, there are several leading technology and innovation ecosystems. And also some of these ecosystems are coming up, um, such as that of Edmonton. So already competition, I would say is fierce in terms of when um, a global accelerator is looking at which jurisdiction to go in, there's already so many that they can pick from. So the fact that they've chosen, for instance, the Edmonton region, I think that's a great sign that they do see the potential, um, whether it is in certain focus areas of key strengths and key focus, um, key industries of strength, for instance. So you mentioned, um, you know, Silicon Valley and Seattle. What are some other um, jurisdictions that we're competing with or, or maybe are more advanced than us, but like a little, like we're a little closer to being where they're at. What are, what are, what would some examples be? Mm -hmm. Some examples would be um, that are closer to where we're at is, you know, one other jurisdiction that might be a little bit further along is Montreal, for instance. Um, Another jurisdiction that is pretty well, the most well-known technology and innovation ecosystem currently in Canada will be your Toronto Waterloo corridor, naturally. Um, another jurisdiction would be Vancouver and um, a lot of the startup and tech that start up from there. You know, there's a lot of synergies between, you know, the Seattle and, and Vancouver, the border. Awesome. So, Rob, uh, would you agree with Dorothy on those jurisdictions or would, do you have anything to add? Yeah. No, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, within talking about Canada, uh, we certainly know Toronto Waterloo to probably be the most advanced uh, in, in all the regions. And uh, I mean, we've cross-referenced that across multiple sources. Uh, so that's certainly there. And if we just look across the border, uh, one one city that we find uh, synergies to is Austin, Texas, where, you know, uh, uh, the growth has been similar. I mean, Austin, Tex- Austin, Texas was an oil and gas city primarily and then pivoted to become a, a tech uh, industry leader. Mm-hmm. Interesting Maybe, point. Yeah. So maybe that's something that uh, Edmonton also can look up to. Yeah, so you guys, I think, have both alluded to the fact that Edmonton is behind um, some of these bigger centers. Do you think the government is doing the right things to kind of help us catch up? Absolutely. I think in terms of when we took a look at some of these other jurisdictions and some of the government intervention that's in play, the government is doing a lot in terms of providing funding and support services. One area, though, that we know of in Canada, the tech and innovation ecosystem generally is that, you know, you hear about the thing, the concept of unicorns. So those are those high valued companies. So it's over typically a one billion dollar mark. And over the last decade, you know, those Canadian unicorns that have been developed are few and far between. Like you might get on average one per per decade. I think I yeah, Shopify comes to mind. Benevity. Yeah. You know, more and more in the last, I would say last five years, I think we're hearing more and more, and that's great. But some of these other jurisdictions that we're looking, and I'll I'll use an example as um, Finland. So Finland, just because by way of, you know, the population size and the density of population, from day one, 
a lot of entrepreneurs in Finland, they think globally from day one. And when we took a look at some of the government interventions, and there's this organization um, called Finland, what they do is they do provide funding and support services for entrepreneurs and startups, similar to that of what we see here with the government. But one thing that they do ask is that attached to this funding and support services, the company should have a mandate to look and think globally from day one, to have that more aggressive think, to think that, you know, your company can ultimately scale and grow and gain um, market traction outside of your country. And so that might be something that um, the current state government here can think think more of in terms of how do you change that mindset to start thinking globally from day one and not to just think of maybe, you know, marketing and selling to the province you're in or the country you're in. Yeah, I think when we look at Canada, that's super important because if we look globally, our market is relatively small and does not represent a, like a big part of global GDP. So really, really interesting. Okay. What about um, post-secondary institutions? What role can they play? We've talked about you know incubators, accelerators, governments. What role does um, the post-secondary play in, in growing the tech sector? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll take that one. Uh, I mean, uh, I can start with an example. For example, we, we talked earlier about the Toronto Waterloo region and one big uh, innovator oriented university is the University of Waterloo where they have a creator owned policy kind of a thing where uh, the person who's engaged or the group of people who, who are engaged in creating a particular uh, IP, they own that IP. And unless it, there is a specific agreement prior to uh, or with the university, the university does not have any stake in that. That's one of the major reasons why, uh, I mean, we've seen a lot of uh, tech and innovation coming out of that region, especially around the University of Waterloo region. Uh, another uh, important aspect of universities and their linkages, especially to industry, is that uh, we don't see a lot, especially uh, I, maybe uh, here, because uh, a lot of the PhD students and the research that they do, they don't they don't know what's happening in the industry because of those lack of linkages, maybe, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, and that's why uh, there's this valley of death kind of a thing where a lot of that research goes to waste and it's not uh, really in sync with what the industry needs at that point. Awesome. And you mentioned uh, linkages between, um, you know, students and industry. How do we improve those linkages? Oh, well, uh, I mean, we can have more uh, conferences. We can have more sponsorship uh, from uh, industry. We can have more place platforms, basically, where researchers and industry experts can come together and they can have their own kind of thing like this is what we're doing in industry at this point maybe that can inspire research in upcoming phd students maybe that can pivot or you know current phd students can kind of incorporate some of that findings or some of those um, demands from uh, industry at this point uh yeah no that's that can work both ways obviously absolutely so we we talked a little bit about, um, you know, maybe things that we should look at um, improving a bit in the region. But as you mentioned, we, we cracked that top uh, that top list. So what are we doing right in the Edmonton region? Yeah, sure. No, uh, I mean, there are a couple of things that were uh, the Edmonton region is doing pretty great. I mean, especially they have a uh, they have a very high educated population. 
uh, I mean, that's across uh, the different diversity domains in terms of uh, women in the workforce, in terms of indigenous in the workforce, in terms of the immigrants in the workforce. Uh, that coupled with a, a very low cost of living compared to the other Canadian cities is a very kind of, um, you know, a, a very attractive point for a lot mm-hmm. of people who are looking to start off. Uh, uh, given that and, and, you know, the, uh, we've seen like, uh, recently there are a lot of disintegration within, uh, a lot of the big cities because of COVID and because of work from home that has given a lot of, uh, entrepreneurs or, um, the people who are looking to make something to go back to their homes. Uh, otherwise we've seen people leaving Alberta because of being oil and gas dominant, but this is an opportunity for them to come back and maybe start things over here. Dorothy, what about you? What What's your top, uh, what the Edmonton region is doing right? Yeah, I would say, you know, in addition to all the, the thoughts that Sarab had, you know, there has been this great um, greater recognition of growing emerging sectors within Edmonton, um, such as, I'll use an example as artificial intelligence and machine learning is one area that there has been more and more in terms of global recognition that we have the capability and capacity and that's showcased by like the fact that global companies such as google they're coming in to the region so those are things that i think are going to really be the competitive advantages for the tech and innovation ecosystem for the edmonton region yeah i think amy here the alberta machine intelligence institute is doing a lot of work to try to bridge the gap between research and industry and they have a great event coming up i think in may um ai week where they're they're bringing in an international audience uh, to participate in symposiums and and things like that so that'll be great to 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 take part in awesome yeah those are all great things you mentioned um sarab you you alluded to the the pandemic kind of changing things and i agree with you one of the things i i love about this region is that housing is more affordable here than in other places which makes me wonder then is you know tech an urban industry or can you be in the tech sector and be more you know in the outskirts of the region and and um like is it a downtown industry or is it broader than that yeah, I'll take this one. And I will say that I believe definitely not. Tech is not an urban industry. Um, tech setting in an urban industry can stimulate the greater region, which could include the rural municipalities. However, tech and innovation is also generated in rural settings as well. And I'll use an example of some of the work we did um, recently looking at pilot accelerators in Alberta. So there was several pilot accelerators that we took a look at, seven in total, and they all started after the COVID pandemic. So similar to what um, Sarab said. So after the COVID pandemic, there was this opportunity that was presented because you know we were virtually all on this virtual environment. So the accelerator programs, whether they be based typically in an urban setting, so Calgary or Edmonton, they had to pivot and they had to have their offerings online. But this actually presented an opportunity to the rural founders and rural startups because previously they might not have been able to attend an accelerator program that might be, you know, day in and day out traveling back and forth to whether it's Edmonton or Calgary. So first of all, they were able to have that opportunity to gain the insights 
from the curriculum. But then over and beyond that, what we've heard from the rural founders was that they were actually getting to the ability to be seen on the same level as some of the urban-based founders, because previously they might have thought or there might have been this predisposition to think that, like you had mentioned, tech and innovation only happens in an urban setting. So you can't really be a tech founder if you're from a rural setting, which is not true at all, because innovation can really happen anywhere, ultimately. I love that. It's really at the intersection of innovation and all of those traditional um, sectors. Um, Are there any key takeaways that you'd want to leave with our listeners uh, from your impressions of the tech sector in general or or the Edmonton metropolitan region? Yeah, I'll first go in and I'll just say, you know, having been born and raised in Edmonton, it's in a very, I would say, very exciting time for the Edmonton region, you know, just in terms of the number of new startups that are coming up in tech and innovation, you know, even just um, downtown revitalization. Um, Of course, naturally with COVID, it's been a little bit of a challenge, but there's different ingredients here that are really being used to advance the tech and innovation ecosystem further. And that's very exciting to see. I'll turn it over to Sarab for his insights. Yeah, and we're oh, painting yeah. you I mean, into a corner a little bit, Sarab, singing the praises of Edmonton being from Calgary. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, given given uh, the limited knowledge I have about the region, I think uh, Edmonton, the EMR, Edmonton Metropolitan Region has, has all the ingredients to kind of do what a Silicon Valley does or grow into what a Silicon Valley is, basically. I mean, there are, there are multiple models out there, you know, of how a city could grow into a tech hub. Uh, I think uh, given the early stages that the Edmonton region is in, it's at a very unique place where it can learn from all these models and kind of take the points that suits its strengths and kind of discard the ones that kind of, you know, build on its disadvantages. And uh, uh, hopefully doing that, we can see Edmonton grow into what uh, the other Swedish cities have, have achieved, basically. Awesome. Thank you. I, I, I love that. And I'm excited to see where things uh, go and continue these sorts of conversations. Uh, how can listeners get a hold of you? They can get a hold of us. We're both on LinkedIn. So feel free to link us in if you want to get a hold of us. Awesome. We'll make sure in the show notes that we have your, your name spelled out and, and maybe even we can just link directly um, so that they can get a hold of you and your expertise. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you for the time. enjoyed that i i kind of i i like what srap has said about austin and how you know they were focused on oil and gas they were um a government town and they've really shifted to tech and so i definitely think there's lessons for edmonton there and i'd love to further explore that um and i also loved what dorothy was saying about um encouraging companies to look and think globally from day one and i think this podcast is something I hope it, I hope it inspires people to think globally um and and look beyond our borders i think there's a lot of opportunity um, for our companies. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I, I said it earlier, but 
our market is really small here. So in order to succeed and continue to grow, we really do need to start thinking globally and think about how our region sits on a global con- in a global context. Um, we, we're not an island unto ourselves, and there's so much opportunity out there. Um, we just have to be uh, brave enough, I guess, to reach out and, and take it. Agreed. We are a very big country um, when it, geographically, but our population is is pretty small. Um, but it's it's really exciting to see then, yeah, the room to grow in Canada and in our region. Um, so. Yeah, and I think I think when we look at the tech sector and innovation in particular, um, the, the, we're really only in the beginning stages. I think of yeah. um, the impact that this is going to have on economies around the world. So it's really important that we um, we nurture that sector and help it to grow um, so that we can continue to compete on a global scale. Agreed. Here, here. That's a wrap for today. Thank you for tuning in to the Economic Development Matters podcast brought to you by Edmonton Global. For more information about Edmonton Global or to get in touch, visit our website at edmontonglobal.ca. Follow us on social media, on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook, and don't forget to follow us on your favourite podcast platform so you'll be among the first to know when a new episode drops. We hope you learned something new today about economic development matters and why it matters. Until next time, we're your hosts, Sherry and Brianna, signing off.